Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. My name is Temba, and it's a great privilege to be here in Durban. Amen. I hope you love your city. Amen. This is a great city, right? Amen. Amen. And Durban has a special place in my heart. It really does. In 2017, we had the privilege of hosting the outreach internship right here. That's where we train evangelists. And it was a breakthrough moment for us as a movement because we started to see evangelists emerge, not just across the nation, but across the nations in Zambia. Uh, Some of the guys who were trained right here in Durban, I'll give you an example. One guy in Zambia uh, is doing crusades across the nation of Zambia. And that was birthed just right out of here. And so many others have gone on to do mighty exploits. And uh, we've gone on to do other outreach internships through the years. So what you guys helped to birth in this city is bearing good fruit. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. Amen. Come on. Durban is awesome. Durban is awesome. I believe one of the redemptive gifts on this church is to help to unlock the destinies of individuals and the destinies that God has in place, amen. That whether it's through the prayer, whether it's through the community, whether it's through the calling out greatness in people's lives, I believe that's one of the redemptive giftings on this church, amen. My assignment this morning is to take the baton and run the next leg of the series called Abide. Now, together as churches across the world in every nation, We've been diving into the power and the beauty of the Word of God, amen. And we've been looking through different profiles in the book of John to see what God says about His Word, amen. But before I rush ahead of myself, I want to introduce my family. Can I do that? These are my people. There we go. Those are my people. And, um, and our daughter, Aaliyah, is 11 years old. And uh, she is the smart one in the family, and, uh, <laughs> and also the super focused one. And um, one story I can tell you about my daughter, Leah, is um, pre-lockdown, she was running three connect groups at school. And um, yeah, she, she, she's like focused, focused. I keep telling her that she's only allowed to leave home at 30 and get married. And she keeps saying, no, dad, no. (laughs) Um, But it's really encouraging to see. And um, she feels called to be an evangelist. And uh, as a young child of 11 years old, um, she's taking on that and saying, I want to do this. And um, I don't know if you know Jonathan and Joanne Pardee, who led our kids movement, kids ministry movement in Southern Africa before transitioning to the nations, um, they are running a connect group to try and locate and find children evangelists across the nations, amen. It's time to raise up the children, amen. You know there's no junior Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, My son, John David, um, he's the funny one. And... uh, (laughs) He, he is such a blessing to us, and one story I can tell you about John David is um, currently he's got a very good friend in his class who's an atheist, and he's wrestling 
with how do I share the gospel with someone who is struggling to grasp the reality of God. So he like tells stories of the things that he's seen and experienced and tells her about speaking in tongues and miracles and healing and the word of God. And we're just praying that he'll have breakthrough with this specific friend of his, amen. That's so amazing. And then last but definitely not least is my treasure Lee, my beautiful blessing, Amy. Uh, we've been married now 14 years. Um, we're just uh, so excited. And you know, there are different seasons in marriage. And right now we're in a season of like Psalm 23. <laughs> not that first part I will not want, but the part which says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. So my wife has got um, some health struggles at the moment. And as a family, we are trusting God for breakthrough. And it's a bit of a scary time when you're going through a valley, right? There's the unknown, the unpredictable. But what we know is that God is with us and that his rod and his staff, they comfort us. And if you're here this morning and you're going through a tough time, I pray that you'd be encouraged by that that God has not abandoned you because times are tough, but his promise in his word is that he's right there with you. Psalm 46, one says, God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. An ever-present help in times of trouble, amen. So whether you're going through a good time, whether you're going through a bad time, know that God is so with you. God is so committed to you, amen. Amen. Join me in John chapter 2. Father God, I pray as we go into your word, Lord, that you'd break it open for us. Father, we need your spirit to understand your word, not just intellectually, Lord God, but for it to actually impact and transform our lives. And that's what we're hungry for this morning, Lord. We want to change. We want to be more like Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would come and do that in our lives. We give you permission, Lord to do whatever you want to do in our lives. And the people of God said, amen. Amen. I want to talk about unlocking the promises of God. Unlocking the promises of God. Sometimes we can read scripture. Sometimes we can even memorize scripture and know how to quote it even in the Greek. But the reality is we're not experiencing the power that is ingrained in the word of God. How do we close the difference between the promises of God and entering into actually obtaining and receiving the promise? Amen. Are you guys interested in this sermon this morning? If you aren't, I can go to another one. We'll find something else here too. John chapter 2, are you there this morning? On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. 
And that's our memory verse for today. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, I did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then they bring out the inferior stuff. You have kept the good wine until now. Then the Bible records this. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed him. Amen. So there are a couple of things I want us to note about Jesus here. Number one, Jesus loves the small details of our lives. That's so important to know. This was a wedding, not a funeral. You know, if there's ever a time that we need the power of God is when someone is sick or when they're at a funeral, God, we need some resurrection power now. And so often in our Christian walk, we are conformed to a mindset that God is only interested in the dire places and the crises of our lives. We stop believing that God is even concerned about the good things in our lives getting better. Amen? So some people, when they read this, they say, no, 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 Timber, you're misunderstanding. Jesus' mother said, you have, they have no wine. And Jesus said, woman, what concern of this is mine? Jesus is not concerned about wine and small things. No, 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 that's not the issue here. The issue is that Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. What Jesus was talking about, that the time for him to be manifest as the savior of the world hadn't come. But it was at this wedding in Cana of Galilee that everything shifted. It was at this wedding, that's why in verse 11 it says that, that this became a sign, pointing to the fact that now his glory had manifested. People now saw who he really was, amen. So, if you wanna discover who he really is, this is so crucial for us. Your life matters to God. All of it. The little stuff. The insignificant stuff. It matters to God. God knows the number of hairs on your head. Amen? Even the ones under the weave. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Amen? Even the ones that are missing from roll call this morning, he knows the ones that are on your head, amen. God knows us intimately. God knows us so in such a detailed way and is concerned about every matter in your life. 
I remember years ago in Grahamstown, uh, we used to have um, Bible school, second year, and one of the courses was healing school. And we'd go downstairs and pray for all the first year students. God would do incredible miracles. And one of my friends came to me and she said, oh, you know, I, I don't have like, I'm not in pain, but you know, I, my little toe on my foot is like shorter than the other toes. Do you think God would heal my toe? Well, what do you guys think? Do you think God would heal? Uh, but guys, this is a cosmetic miracle. We're not talking about cancer, I see. This is cosmetic miracle. Would God do a cosmetic miracle? So we prayed for her toe. And God grew out her toe. Amen? Now, it's time for us to again believe that God wants to move in supernatural ways in every area of our lives. Amen? The second thing we realize about Jesus is that Jesus' words are powerful and creative. Are powerful and creative. Whatever he says to you, do it, was the instruction. God created the world by speaking. Amen. So whenever we approach the word of God, we need to know and remind ourselves that this word of God is living and active. That it is alive, full of God's power. Amen. The Bible says in Jeremiah that God watches over his word, looking to perform it. Amen. You are not reading a novel. You're not reading ink on paper. You are reading the very word of God, which God himself is backing up. Amen. So when we come to the Word of God, we need to not just admire it and say, oh, this is nice, this is a holy book. No, 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 no. When we come to the Word of God, we shouldn't just respect it. And like, you know, oh, here's my Bible, gold leaf, leather bounce. No, 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 it's great to admire the Word, it's great to respect the Word, but even better, this is God's attitude that he wants us to have. He says, we need to be the people who fear and tremble at his word. If God's word is so powerful, if it's so creative, it's so full of power, when we're reading it, guys, guys, we can't have a casual attitude. We need to fear and tremble at the word of God because we know that God is looking to perform the very things that he says, amen. Third thing we learn about Jesus in this short story is that Jesus needs our obedience. If we're going to unlock the promises of God in our lives, Jesus actually needs our obedience. Obedience unlocks the power of God. Whatever he says to you, do it. Amen. Do it. Obedience is often counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. You know, often we want to make up our Christianity, right? We want to make it up as we go along. We want to negotiate deals with God. Amen. Or is it just me? We want to negotiate deals with God. You know, God, I know your word says, but you know, uh, you know for others, but for me and you, we got this special relationship and... You know, 
we'll figure things out as we go along. I remember my second year of university when I recommitted my life to the Lord. I was in a meeting much like this and, and the preacher started off and he said, okay, you know, um, it's time for those who want to give their lives to Jesus to come forward and give their lives to Jesus. And he said, Christians in the room, pray, pray, pray. And I remember like dropping my head and saying, oh Lord, I pray that you save people today and, and hordes of people came forward. I mean, tons. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I saw some of my classmates. I was like, yeah, that one really needed Jesus, yeah. <laughs> and then he did a second altar call and he said, let's pray some more. I said, yes, Lord, let's pray. And he said, okay, now let's start to pray for those who are far from the Father's house. And I said, Father, I pray for. And I realized, whoops, that's me. In my second year at university, I was backslidden. I was far from the Father's house. And that night, I came forward to the front. And I played Christianity for a long time. I tried to have this 50-50 thing with God where, God, you can have some areas of my life and I'll have other areas and I'll be mostly good, but I'll keep back some areas from you. But that day, I came forward to the front and I don't know why I said it, but later I found out it was in the Bible because it says this. I came to the front and I said, Lord, this time, I will do what you say. I don't know what inspired me to pray that prayer because I'd always negotiated, intellectualized, argued with the scriptures when I was reading them. But this time, I just said, I surrender. This time, Lord, I will do what your Bible says I should do. You know what happened? My life started to change. My life started to change. Folks, it's time for us not to play games with the Word of God, but to obey the Word of God. If you want your life to change, there's no other way but to apply the Word of God to your life. Amen. Amen. Rainer Bonke put it this way. He said that you can work in a soap factory and still stink. Doesn't matter how, much, how many CDs you have, how many Christian books you have, how many times you go to church, it's not going to benefit you until you do what? Like that guy in the soap factory, you've got to take one of those many bars of soap and actually use it, amen, and actually apply it to your life. And when you do that, guess what happens? You change, amen, in exactly the same way. I want to encourage every single one of you that... The path to change is obedience to the Word of God. The fourth thing we learn about Jesus. Jesus works miracles in partnership with us. Jesus works miracles in partnership with us. Listen to what Mary says, Jesus' mom. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast, and they took it. I don't know if you guys watch The Chosen around here. Is it allowed in this church? Okay, okay. Sorry, I should have checked beforehand. I should have checked beforehand. Uh, but, I, you know, all the miracle scenes, I'm always like every week, ah, that's so beautiful. 
and, uh, and turning the water into wine. I want you to note the commands Jesus gives here. Because remember, our theme for this morning is whatever he tells you to do, do it, right? And that's how we unlock the promises of God. Command number one, fill the water pots with water. Fill the water pots with water. Now, if I was a servant in those days, and we're out of wine and we're panicking about wine, the last thing I want to do is go and get water and put it where the wine is supposed to be, right? Somebody needs to tell Jesus, we don't need water, we need wine. The first thing we learn about partnering with God is often it is counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind, to the natural man, it's counterintuitive. And as I started to get the water, I'd be thinking, people are going to think I'm weird. And you know, they must probably had like camps of servants, you know? Those who are like serving at the tables, those who are behind the scenes. And the guys who are like serving at the tables are looking at the guys behind the scenes going, what on earth? These guys lost their minds. Oh no, something terribly wrong is going on around here. And as I was getting the water, I'd be thinking, do you know how much effort this is going to take to fill these water pots? Think with me for a moment. Six water pots containing 20 to 30 gallons each. That's 75 liters to 113 liters each, averaging 94 liters. If we take that multiplied by six, that's 564 liters of water. If the average bucket is five liters, it would take 113 trips to fill the water, bot, the water pots. The first thing we learn about obedience is that Jesus is looking not just for once-off obedience, but repeated obedience. You know, often we're like trusting God for a financial breakthrough, and we'll like give a little offering here, we'll give a little tithe there, and we're like, God, I'm done. <laughs> I gave you a chance. Lotto ticket one didn't work. Lotto ticket two didn't work. You know, God, this tithing and offering thing doesn't work. But what God is looking for is not a once-off, like, you know, a couple of buckets and say, okay, let's see if it turns into wine. God is looking for repeated obedience. Woo! Do you know how obedient they were? The Bible says the servants filled the pots to the brim. The second thing we learn about obedience and partnership with God for the miraculous is that he's looking for full obedience. He's waiting until our obedience is complete. Amen. Woo. We do our part and God does the rest. Amen. And I want to encourage you, don't give up on the word of God. Don't give up. You know, my wife struggled with lupus for almost 20 years of her life. And God touched her and healed her. And God spoke to her and said this. Every time there's an offering for healing, not money offering. Every time there's an offering, someone says, can I pray for you for healing? 
she should respond. And she did that over and over and over and over again. Until she was sitting in this room, Outreach Internship 2017, and someone offered to pray for healing and she's coming up and God said, you're healed. And she was healed. Why did it take 20 years? I don't know. But her repeated obedience brought the breakthrough. Amen. So that was the first command. Second thing, second command Jesus gives, he says, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Do you note that word now? Draw some out now. Now, I'm sure after all this hard, brow-breaking work that they just done, filling these pots with water, they looked in and it was still water. <laughs> and Jesus says, now, take some out and take it to the master of the feast. Hmm. Now. Have you ever been asked by God to do something before the conditions change? That's called faith. Amen? Go, now. Go and do that now. <laughs> so I imagine the guys like taking the water out and going, this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. It's not going to end well. Now. There's no substitute for immediate obedience. There's no substitute. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Then carries on further and says, no, no, no. Now is the time for salvation. You know, there are moments that God creates when we've got to respond and act immediately. You know, at the end of a service like this morning, you're going to have an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. And if you sense that God is knocking on the door of your heart, it's time for you to respond to him. Don't let the moment pass you by. Respond immediately. Respond immediately. Amen. Here's a third command Jesus said. Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. There's a time when we move from private obedience to public obedience. You know, it's great to obey when no one knows, when no one will see like whether this flops or not, right? That's what we want. We, we don't want to be exposed and vulnerable. But here Jesus says, now is the time and I want you to go public with your obedience. And that's a word for some people right now. You know, when God gives you a word of knowledge and you're sitting in church and you start to get that feeling like, mm, I feel maybe sort of God wants to do. And then instead of coming to the front to share it with the leaders, you sit there and you go, oh God, tell someone else. Lord, I just want to pray. 
that whoever might be affected by this, you'd heal right now, sweet Jesus, amen? Uh, you've never prayed those prayers? Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. I remember in 2019 in Stellenbosch, we are doing the outreach internship there, and I, I got a word of knowledge. And on the Sunday at the service, I said, great, anyone who's got issues that prevent them from running, please stand up. God wants to heal you now. So several people across the room stood up and uh, so I said like, okay, what's wrong? And the first person I pointed to, uh, he said, no, I've got a heart condition. So I, I'm not able to run because of my heart condition. So I said, would you be able to run in here and tell us where they healed? And said, no, I actually need to get it physically assessed by a doctor. And I was like, man, Lord, this word of knowledge is going south very quickly. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know, I said, okay, we'll pray for you. You know, like man of God of the power. We'll pray for you now in Jesus' name. Everyone around them, let's like share the blame. Turn around. <laughs> it wasn't, if they didn't get healed, it wasn't me, guys. You, you guys are out there, you know, like, uh, so like, you know, like, so we prayed for this guy. And I was like, God, you know, true, I hope he gets healed. And then I, there was a lady, I said, okay, who here? And you'd be surprised, there might have been 20 people stood up and all of them would need to go for a long run to find out. I was like, okay, who here in the room will be able to tell now? There was a lady right at the back. And uh, so I ran from the front to the back. Yes, first miracle. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, okay, what's wrong? And she stepped out of the aisle and she had a moon boot on. And I was like, God, come on, make it easy for me. You know, here, like the brother's sweating already. I'm like a guy with a heart thing. And I'm like, God, what's going on? And, and, uh, and I said, okay, um, are you okay to take the cast off? And she said, yes, I'll take it off. And then I said, okay, let's, let's, let's pray. We prayed for her. And I said, okay, let's start to walk and tell me if there's any pain. And she walked and she said, no, no pain. No pain. I said, okay, can you run to the front? And she ran, boom, to the front. Healed, amen? And then I, I took the mic and I, I put it in her, in her face and I said, so are you healed? And she said, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Things not to do in a healing service, amen? After the service, more people came forward for prayer, for that word of knowledge. We saw people running up and down, healed. Guys who were due for surgeries healed. Let me tell you what happened to that first guy with a heart condition. I got a, a message two weeks later from the guys in Stellenbosch. He went for his heart assessment. The hole in his heart that he had from birth was totally healed. That... It's God, amen? totally healed. And you know what he was doing now? He wasn't running up and down. He was eating chocolate because he couldn't eat chocolate because it would affect his um, condition. So he was enjoying every single type of chocolate that he had ever heard about. Amen. Look at God. Amen. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. Amen. No matter how silly you may think you are looking, do it. Amen. So um, November last year, I was in Kenya and um, training some evangelists. And we're out on the street. And uh, I had the opportunity to, 
to like, we're, we're ministering and like mixed results and I saw a guy on a crutch and I thought, well, good lesson. Um, and I said to the guys with James, I said, James, let's go pray for that guy with the crutch. And um, he said, okay, cool. We went after this guy with the crutch and he walks into a shack and there are three other guys selling drugs in there. And uh, so we're like, okay, no problem. So we start sharing the gospel, we took out Jesus at the door card, we started explaining, and nothing, nothing. Guys were not interested, they didn't want, they're like, yeah, 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 whatever, no, we're fine, we're fine, no, no, we're okay. Now even the guy with the crutch starts to leave. And I'm like, no, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. whoa. Before you leave, we haven't finished sharing with everybody, but before you leave, can we just pray for your leg? And we prayed for his leg. What was wrong with your leg? I was in a car accident several months ago. It hasn't healed properly. Are you in pain now? Yes, I'm in pain. We prayed for him, James and myself. And the guy was totally healed. Guess what happened? All four of them gave their lives to the Lord. Amen. Now, the first one I got a word from of knowledge. Woohoo! God says this. Yay, let's go and do that. Amen. The second time, I didn't have a word of knowledge. I had the word of God. Amen? Go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Amen? I didn't need a special like angel, dove, vision. Guy's got a crutch. Go pray for him. And God worked a miracle. Amen? Amen, amen. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You know, obedience is something we can get right and we can also get very wrong. And I want to close off by helping us to understand the true nature of obedience. Turn with me to John chapter 14. We'll look at a couple of verses, then I'll close, and then we'll pray. If you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, we'll give you an opportunity. If you want to recommit your life to God this morning, we will give you an opportunity to do that as well. If you need healing, we will pray for you to be healed this morning. Amen. John 14, verse 21. John 14, 21 says this. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I want us to understand something about obedience. The foundation of obedience is love. Love is the foundation of obedience. If you want to know whether you love God or not, are you obeying His commandments? Eesh. Now that word love comes from the root word agape. And agape is an unconditional love. A love without conditions. Do you love God without conditions? Do you love God without conditions. No terms and conditions. No fine print. Do you love God without conditions? And this is what we're called to do right here. Whoever loves me, <laughs> whoever keeps my commandments, whoever, <laughs> he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me without conditions. The Bible says it's the small foxes that ruin our lives. A little bit of anger, 
that you keep for Monday mornings. Amen? Because you've got to set the tone for work, right? You've got to make sure that no, people know for the rest of it, don't mess with me. Just because I know, no, 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 just because I'm a Christian, don't mess with me. A little bit of lying. Just a little bit of lying. A little bit of drunkenness. Not, not every day, but just enough to enjoy yourself. It's the small foxes that ru- ruin the vine. Love is the foundation of obedience. The Bible says in 1 John that we love God because he first loved us. If you want to grow in your obedience to God, know that he first loved you, that he was first committed to you, that God first took the steps to find you. God laid down his life for you. This is how God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? And and that is in the present continuous tense. This is how God demonstrates present continuous tense, his love to us. Wow. And when we see God's great love for us, it's easy to obey. When we see God's great commitment to us, it's easy to obey. Amen? Verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. God's presence is the promise of obedience. God's presence is the promise of obedience. Do you know that as we obey God's commands, we get to experience and encounter more and more of his his presence in our lives? Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and I will be, I will be, I will be with you. Ah, as we obey the word of God, we encounter the presence of God with us, through us. Amen. So the presence is the promise of obedience. And finally, John 14, verse 15, 16. If you love me, keep my commands. And I'll pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he will abide with you forever. You might be listening to the sermon this morning and saying, Timber, I want to obey. I want God's presence. I want to love God more, but I fail. Good news. Jesus said, he's going to give you help to obey. He's going to give you help to obey. How many of us want help to obey? Okay. Four of us are Christians this morning. Great. The Holy Spirit is given to help us to obey. Father God, I pray that this morning, You remind us that we're not orphans, we're not alone, we're not by ourselves on some planet. But Father, as we obey you, you unlock the promises of God in our lives. Folks, one thing I'm convinced of 
is that following Jesus will change your life. Following Jesus will change your life. And if you're here this morning and you say, Timber, I want to give my life to Jesus. And if that's you and you're here this morning, I'd love to pray for you. And there's a second group of people. If you know that you're far from the Father's house, you used to be living right, but now you are off track. But today, even you being here was a decision to step back towards God. If that's you and you're here this morning, you want to recommit your life to God, I'd love to pray for you as well. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence right now to come and minister to everyone. We're just going to wait on the Lord for a moment. You can start to talk to God where you are right now. This is your now moment. This is your now moment. If you'd like to receive Jesus for the first time, if you'd like to return to the love of the Father, now is the time. Now is the moment of grace. I can feel the heart of God reaching out, loving on you, longing for you. If that's you, in that first group or the second group, I can ask you to raise your hand where you are. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be shy. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, God knows the secret battles that we fight. He knows the secret struggles that we go through. Don't let this moment pass you by. The real thing is available. It's available for you. If you raised your hands, could I invite you forward? I'd love to pray for you. This is family right here. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. Just come forward. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. 
Be blessed.